episode one. Episode one. Our very first ever episode. I know. This is wild because I, so I first started listening to podcasts when the coffee shop was out on the ocean Mm. and my sister introduced me to podcasting and and originally I was like listening to people just talk you know like my when I was a kid my dad would listen to talk radio right yeah I I can listen to the radio uh, and I don't want to so why would I listen I know like it just seems so boring yeah and um and sometimes I have a hard time honing in my focus if I'm disinterested and so you know, in my mind, I'm like, if it's not like a good story, I just don't want to hear it. But I didn't fully understand what podcasts were back then. And when my sister introduced me to some, I would listen to them on the long drive out to the ocean and fell in love with podcasting. And I just loved the personalities that you would get to meet through the hosts. And I've learned so much through listening to podcasts. And so I just love that. And so for two years now, I've really wanted to do a podcast and of course, always would have loved you as my co-host, but you know, life and babies and marriage and everything. And so it's just so exciting that we're here now. So, all right, today's person that we're going to be discussing, I'm going to start, I'm going to kind of open a scene for you. Okay. okay? Open it right up. The scene. So one of the things in researching this subject um, that I never really thought about was, you know, in the mid 1800s, early to mid 1800s in America, when you think of early to mid 1800s in America, what's like the first thing that pops into your mind? Covered wagons. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pioneers. Co- yes. Like pioneers. It, well, exactly. Like pioneers. I think of the westward expansion. Mm-hmm. I think of the underground railroad mm-hmm. a little later on. And I think of like slavery and things like that. Um, What I never have ever thought about is pirates. Mm. When you think, when I think of pirates, you know, automatically I'm thinking the West Indies or the East Indies and, you know, the Caribbean, but not the United States. Yeah. And um, our scene opens with the pirate, this is a famed pirate named Jean Lafitte. Jean Lafitte had made it his life's mission to enact his revenge on Spanish ships. So mm. his wife and child were killed by Spanish conquistadors. Mm. And um, he's a Frenchman who kind of wound up over in the Gulf of Mexico area and just raged war upon them through buccaneering. So um, at one point during... His piracing days. I don't know if piracing is a word. <laughs> word. Pirating. His days. His oh, yeah. Pirating be, days. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was actually commissioned by President Andrew Jackson to scout ships for the Royal Navy. What? Yeah, okay. I know. Yeah, so, my mind is like, oh, I know. Oh, okay. So he, okay. he was captured and it was basically, you will be hanged or we really kind of need you to scout ships because he was really, really good at what he did. And he had these ruthless men at his disposal. And so um, Andrew Jackson used that to his advantage Mm. and Lafitte agreed to do this for him. And because of his, he was so good at scouting these ships. um, He was offered a full pardon for Mm. all of his crimes before that. 
So before that, they would attack these Spanish ships, but that also, you know, caused issues with trade and things like that. So um, the scouting of the Royal Navy was during the War of 1812. And artillery was really difficult to come by. And so that was one of the reasons Andrew Jackson wanted his aid, because the buccaneers had tons of artillery from Mm -hmm. all of the ships that they would take over. They would loot all of the weapons, and they had this influx of weaponry, whereas during the war, they were running out. Okay. And so that worked out in their it, to their advantage. Uh, many of the British military survivors from these attacks, from Jean Lafitte's pirates and uh, things like that, said that they had never before been up against such deadly opponents because it was this combination of these frontier hunters who were extremely good sharpshooters and these ruthless men that were criminals, essentially. And that combination of the skill plus this wild drive mm. really led to it being a really bloody affair for oh the, the war. Okay. After he was granted the full pardon, um, he kind of got bored because, you know, and there's he, no spice in that. There's no, exactly. There's <laughs> no spice in that. And when you've been living this life of excitement and adventure to be kind of tied down, it was not super thrilling for him. Mm. Basically, after a while, decided, you know, I'm going after these Spanish ships again. I, I'm this is I'm bored. <laughs> so he got the pardon. He and got the he said, a no. full pardon. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. No Sounds thanks. like a criminal, though. <laughs> <laughs> like career criminal, yeah, you know? Yeah. 100%. So uh, the pardoned life wasn't for him, however. Um, he, after going back to his pirating ways, this wound him up. In, so in the Gulf of Mexico, on the Texas side, there's this little skinny island. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there was, I think the city's still there. But the town on this little island is called Galveston. And that is where, in 1816, Jean Lafitte would find himself face-to-face with Hugh Glass. Okay. Hugh Glass is who our story is actually about. Hugh Glass was a captain of an American merchant ship, and his ship was taken over by Jean Lafitte's buccaneers. And everything was pillaged out, and Hugh Glass was forced to... You know, when pirates take over, you join them mm-hmm. or you die. Oh. Those are your options. Oh. So uh, that's how a lot of them would join in. Okay. And once they kind of start that life of piracy, it's hard to go back because you're a criminal now. And even if you're forced into it, oh. you know, it is yeah. what it is. They're like out of luck. You, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. I know. That's... There's like no good option. No. <laughs> Die in honor, but then you know you're dead. Or <laughs> right, you know, hmm. that's rough. Okay, I all know. right. Okay, I know. So, uh, Hugh Glass will come back a little bit to the pirating stage of his life, but Hugh Glass was born to Irish immigrant parents around 1783 in Pennsylvania. There's not an exact date because hmm. he wasn't really a man of notable birth or anything like that. He's known now for the story you're about to hear. Mm. And so back then, they didn't always keep really great records. So interesting, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Like, uh, 
Especially in America, because now, I mean, you can't do anything without proving your who you are. It's interesting, too, that, you know, we have records that date all the way back to Roman times, <laughs> but this poor guy doesn't even have a record <laughs> of his bir- date of so. birth. Yeah, that's and, so sad. <laughs> makes me wonder, too, because, you know, infancy, the death rate of infancy was so high back then. It's like, maybe they're just like, we don't eh, we'll know. just wait and see. <laughs> We'll see if he makes it past five. Hugh was known to be a really large man. He was big. He was burly. Hmm. He was strong. He was slow to anger. And there's not much known whether he had a family before kind of getting into this life of piracy and things like that or not. On one account, they describe how whenever they would all be, you know, talking and sitting around a fire and things like that, people would be sharing stories about their lives. And he would always just kind of stare off into the distance. It's very dramatic. (laughs) I know. And there was this quote, um, there's this poem written about him. Mm. And in there it says that his thoughts would rise up into the sky with the smoke and you would never know what he's thinking about. I liked that description. Yeah. I know. Mm. So, yeah, not much is known about whether he had siblings or he seemed to kind of be a loner but from the point that his epic tale really starts. So, yeah, I, would, I was curious. I'm curious and wish I could know more. So after uh, being captured by Jean Lafitte's ship, in that was around 1816, and he was forced into a life of piracy, he ended up being a pirate on Jean Lafitte's ship for two years. And during that time, he was witness to numerous numerous acts of depravity. And sometime towards the end of his pirating days, something had happened that was so terrible. He and he refused to participate in it. Hmm. And this is after two years, so I can I can only imagine the horrors he's seen. Right. But something had happened that he he refused he would take no part in hmm. and he decided to refuse and so uh during obviously if you refuse the pirate you know the pirate the captain the captain thank you is that a captain i would think so yeah now. like captain jack sparrow yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it's a captain yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, like that's King all i think ship. of when i think of pirates that's all i think of is you like know, the black pearl yeah <laughs> When you were talking about, like, pirates in the U.S., I also haven't really thought about pirates in the U.S., but, like, we live in Washington, and we literally have, like, hundreds of hundreds of shipwrecks along our coast, so, like, I, didn't I mean, that makes that. sense. Oh, you didn't know that? No. I oh. mean, that does make sense. It but makes I sense, I never right? even thought about that, because in my mind... The sh- the cool shipwrecks are always right. in the warm yeah 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 like the Caribbean. waters of the <laughs> because of Captain Jack Disney <laughs> ruined us all yeah, exactly exactly but yeah there's like so I mean I don't know I don't know there's gotta be a pirate ship out there right there has to be I'm not gonna find it I'm terrified of the water oh the pirate's life is not for me amen <laughs> Pacific Northwest man we fear the ocean we don't go there it's a scary place no especially up here yeah I mean it's scary everywhere but it's a different beast here. <laughs> it's a different beast entirely yeah. anyway <laughs> back to okay Hugh Glass so when he refused to participate he knew that he would either 
have to deal with his fate mm-hmm. of, you know, they're going to kill him, basically. It was him and this other guy. So there's, I, the other guy doesn't have a name. So mm-hmm. we'll just call him Bruh. Bruh. We call him Frank. <laughs> yeah. Frank. Yes. But Frank doesn't sound like a good pirate. We need like a... Oh, um, Long John Silver. <laughs> I think that might be a real pirate, though. I think that's though. taken. So that's already taken. Okay, we'll just call him... Um, yeah, bra. Bra works. No, John. We'll call him John. John? John yeah. That's a better pirate name than Frank. <laughs> Frank's an accountant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's, to- he's but not... But I mean, our pirate, he's from Pennsylvania, which hey. is like hilarious <laughs> when you think about it. Just yeah, Hugh does the sound, uh, there and, No, Hugh does know. sound like a good pirate name because it could be like Hugh the Terrible. Oh, yeah. Frank mm. the oh. accountant. <laughs> Frank the accountant. Okay, okay. Yeah, all right, all right. Uh, Okay, so we'll call him John. <laughs> okay, John. So Hugh and John. So Hugh and John decide together, instead of risking their fate with the fellow pirates, they right, they are currently in this moment offshore, mm-hmm. off the shore of Galveston, the little island, mm-hmm. and anchored. And it's a two-mile swim oh. to shore. And they go for it. They go for it. it think about two miles, just really quick. That's and then fun. imagine two miles in the Gulf of Mexico, swimming in what is this? Eighteen six, eighteen eighteen. Mm. I, <laughs> I mean, weren't they like killing people for being able to swim at that time period? Maybe that was You're like a, a couple hundred years ago, but still, though, I don't imagine swimming is a very popular activity. <laughs> being able to swim oh my gosh that's That's, so funny that's terrifying there's probably like sharks and whatnot i imagine and there's like caiman you know which are like little alligators but they're still weird little alligators i didn't even think about that (gasps) that's what i just think of all the creatures all the creatures (sighs) and i can barely walk a mile (laughs) i'm not swimming to in the ocean with the tides pulling you to be honest Yeah, no, swimming two miles. Thankfully, for my right. Life. You gotta avoid Thankfully. all the creatures and the pirates coming after you. Okay. Which you know they're gonna shoot at them. And they have it's a boat. It's not like they're so. just gonna be like, bye. Yeah, you they, know? they have a boat. Like, they could. Okay. So I know. This so, is a harrowing situation. Already. And this is this is the beginning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. All right. Death my is, gosh. is imminent for Hugh and Ugh, John. I know. Poor John. Poor John. Nobody even wrote a story about John. No one. This is the only side note he gets in someone's story, and he doesn't even get a real name until now. Until now. We're probably the first people. You're welcome, John. <laughs> You're welcome, John. <laughs> so Hugh and John take a f- very limited things with them, because obviously they're about to dive into off off the side of a ship. So think about how tall that is. Diving yeah. into the ocean water and then swimming ashore. And they take, you know, just a few tools to hopefully help them survive. Diving off the ship, they're heading to shore. And that in itself is a major physical feat. Really difficult to do. And then, like you said, sharks, whatever else could be in there. But even getting to the shore is something that could be really scary. And... Part of that reason is, one, there's really dense foliage. Mm. And, I mean, you know what our forests are like up here. Like, we have dense foliage, too. Not Mm. tropical foliage. Right. But imagine having to carve your way through 
blackberry right you know like all the foliage we have up here in the pacific northwest so similar situations and um in that particular area the shoreline it's not like really wide open sandy beaches everywhere at this point in time it wasn't a lot of it was that dense foliage with quagmire like footing so squishy bog type where you're stepping and your legs are just sinking into it so it's in my mind it's like quicksand just trying to get through this foliage so and then on top of that like we said all the creatures Mm. but then in addition to just these natural risks of trying to get through the shoreline into the proper area of the land there was it was also said to be home to the Karenkawa people. Mm. And they were supposedly cannibals. Oh, boy. Cannibalistic behavior mm. is really terrifying. It's unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we agree. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Totally unacceptable. Um in researching this, I discovered they weren't cannibals. Mm. They would do this ritual where after they cremated somebody, they would sometimes put the ashes in a water and drink it as part of kind of that circle of life, mm-hmm. um, you know, taking in the wisdom of that person. Okay. But it wasn't, they weren't they killing and right. eating people. Yeah. And what's interesting is this especially back then when so much is unknown for these explorers you know they're going off of rumors Mm. and this particular rumor with the karenkawa people was started by a conquistador in the 1500s named i'm not i don't speak spanish so this is the best i can do (laughs) alvar nunez cabeza de vaca okay and he his uh ship crash landed and he came ashore and discovered these people well in his own accounts he states that they weren't cannibals but he and some of his survivors mentioned that they had eaten some of their own crew crew to stay to survive oh and so i think you know but of course nobody wants to believe that of the white people coming right. in and all, you know, the Spanish coming in right. and all of these incredible these and intelligent. Savages, right? right yeah. I know. Yeah. That's what I think they were this, yeah. from what it sounded like in the brief research I did, a very peaceful, connected to the earth mm. sort of people. Yet the rumor, instead of saying, oh, these Spanish conquistadors right. were cannibals, right. instead the rumor gets placed on You know, probably not a bad rumor to have, though keep people off your island, you know? <laughs> maybe it helped you yeah know? that is maybe they started it yeah, they were like hey, like, yeah yeah we totally can go, we will eat you we're gonna eat you <laughs> if you don't get off my island anyway i just thought that was interesting because these intelligent people were the cannibals yeah not the quote unquote right savages right. as they even saying that and and of course in researching this there's so much verbiage yeah. that is so negative yeah. towards indigenous people and that part is so frustrating yeah. but i at the same time i had to remind myself a lot of these accounts were written right. hundreds of years ago right you got to take it with a grain like literally 200 years ago now yeah. um 
grain of salt. But anyway, um, continuing the story, the risks for Hugh, Glass, and John (laughs) (laughs) upon landing ashore were potential cannibals, reptiles, including caimans, you know, venomous snakes. They finally get into the more open plains area of Texas and are trying, they're kind of following these roads that they're not roads, they're paths, Mm -hmm. you know, that roads weren't around in this area, but a lot of the roads would be washed out by floodwaters. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't see or paths, sorry. They couldn't see where to continue Mm. or trampled by like stampeding bison. And after weeks and weeks of travel, Hugh and John travel 600 miles north and they they what how many miles 600 miles gotcha i know it's a lot so many miles they travel 600 miles i know 600 miles miles (laughs) it's so far and i looked on a map because i wanted to get an idea of exactly what that looks like especially when you know these men are on foot they have limited items to trade i mean they had what they could carry in a pocket essentially Mm. and it's incredible because they traveled all the way up into kansas wow which is very far north from texas and texas is massive right so imagine traveling i mean just surviving that leg of the journey alone is incredible and up in kansas hugh and john were met with a band of pawnees okay the pawnee people up until 1838 that was the last known human sacrifice that they participated in known i mean there could have been others but um, they did practice in human sacrifice and it was a specific ritual so it wasn't just all the time but it so it's fine right (laughs) it's totally fine (laughs) if it's only once in a while it's fine it's fine Um, so but they would it was almost always a captive girl oh and so they wouldn't often sacrifice their own people but a captive girl okay. in this case i mean perfect two two dudes two you know dudes. We've got two, we've got sacrifices for days you oh know? yeah it's like one now one later <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome oh man um so unfortunately this is where john's part of the story ends. oh no i know john. i know Aww. poor john he went so he made far. it so that's so sad. I know. But he got sacrificed. He by got the sacrificed. Pawnees. He did. It's <sighs> a rough ending, bud. It is. It's it's pretty sad. And of course, Hugh watched all this take place. And our man of misery <sighs> is facing even more horrible. horrible I know. Things. But his his I mean, from already, I mean, he is the type of person clearly who is like not going to lay down and take it mm-hmm. he's going to fight he wants to survive and he's very clever mm-hmm. and in this case he has one of the very few things that he took with him when he jumped overboard was this chunk of cinnabar and cinnabar is a derivative of a mineral um, from mercury sulfide and so it's this red I looked it up online because I wanted to see. I'm like, what is cinnabar? It sounds delicious, but it's not anything <laughs> close to what I was thinking. <laughs> Does it sound good? Too, so what I is know. Cinnabar? So it's 
this element and okay. it's like a, a red mineral that when you grind it down, it makes a really brilliant, like vermilion colored paint. Oh. So like a brick red okay. paint. Okay. And for the natives at the time, that was very rare to come by. Mm -hmm. And they would use paint in a lot of different things in tapestries and artwork okay. um, for, you know, war paint, for feather painting, like all sorts of things. And it was a very coveted item. Mm. And I don't know if the indigenous people had cinnabar at the time or if they used other forms for to create this paint. But Hugh recognized the value of it, mm -hmm. and he just came to the chief of the Pawnees, knelt down, and lifted it up in his hands to offer it to him. Wow. And this really threw the entire tribe through a loop, because they were not expecting anything like that. And they had only been looking at him as something that they were going to use right. later on, and their plan was to destroy him. And now they looked at him as this omen of luck yeah. and and thanksgiving yeah and uh so it really changed how they viewed him and they actually took them into their tribe mm -hmm. and he lived as a pawnee oh for years interesting i know in the account that i read they took pitch and sap from trees oh, and they okay. would take pine needles and they would slice this is okay trigger warning if <laughs> we're about to is, get graphic this is, here. this is graphic okay they would cut skin With and pine? while he's still alive oh. and they would tuck these pine needles drenched in sap and then light them on fire <gasps> so we're not talking a slow burn from the heels up this was oh everywhere <laughs> i know <It's laughs> my whole body just went numb when you said that oh I, oh that's what Hugh witnessed happen to his companion. <laughs> My God. Who they've been traveling for m probably months now probably together. Probably months, yeah. And have become, you know, close companions. So, mm. 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 All right, poor Hugh. Poor I know. Hugh. And then to continue to live amongst yeah. these people. Yeah. That would be really... That takes a strong-willed person. Yeah. And to know that these sacrifices are still occurring. And yeah. maybe he even had to participate in some. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, mm. it's wild. Mm. One of the main things with being a part of this tribe is some of the skills John learned mm. and carried on throughout his life. Hunting. So, I mean, anyone can learn how to hunt. I think you'd be hard pressed to find better hunters than indigenous people. Yeah. <laughs> They've had hundreds and hundreds of years of passing along these talents and these skills and knowing inside and out yeah. the lay of the land, yeah. the movement of the animals. Yeah. And so this was really invaluable lessons for right. him because he learned how to hunt as an indigenous person and he learned how to track so how to track animals, how to um, how to trap them, how to use their weapons, and how to make tools. Mm. You know, they would make all of their own tools a lot of the times. And how to navigate. So he was able to, you know, using stars and different monuments of land 
or landmarks, I should say, not monuments, but different landmarks, he would be able to navigate and know, orient himself mm. and know which directions to go. And that was more training than he'd ever imagined before. And uh, this really comes in handy for the most epic part of his tale. During his time with the Pawnee, the chief of his tribe was given this opportunity to go and meet William Clark of Lewis and Clark. Oh my gosh, I'm related to him. What? Yeah. No, you're not. I am. I am. He was like, um, like an uncle long ago on my mother's side. That's crazy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like they had the last name. My grandmother's mother had the last name Clark. Yeah. Dude, that is really cool. So they traveled down to St. Louis, Missouri, and he decided to take Hugh Glass with him. And while Hugh was down there, he saw this advertisement in the Missouri Gazette for fur trading expeditions. Mm. And he started to, I think, in my mind, when you are away, I think, you know, you can live this life when you're away for so long. But probably him coming back to the world that he's was originally a part of right. maybe really made him yearn for kind of that life again yeah. and people that he might relate to a little bit better. So I understand him leaving. Mm-hmm. So at that point, he decides to stay. Okay. And I guess it doesn't say how the Pawnee chief felt about it, but he didn't kill him. So yeah. he must have been okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that he, I'm assuming they'd really learned a lot of respect for each other at that point after yeah. living together for so long yeah. and, um, and whatnot. So the first one that he almost signed up for was in 1822 and that expedition had kind of already began. And so instead he decides to jump on board the next one that was going to be going out. And this was headed up by a man named Henry Ashley and Uh, Ashley was looking for a hundred experienced men to ascend the Missouri river North. Mm. And I guess that's what ascend means, but you know, (laughs) to ascend the Missouri river and trap furs. Cause up in that region, not as many people had gone Mm -hmm. exploring and trapping. And there was tons of elk and deer Mm. and many things for them to trap up there. And so he was putting together this team. So in 1823, Hugh joins the next group heading up. It kind of like the second wave. Okay. Fur trapping just seems so difficult to me. One, you have to take the animal down. <laughs> okay. When yeah. I was a kid, my dad killed a deer. Mm-hmm. And my sister and I, were de- we were super into pioneer stuff. Hardcore. <laughs> And we really wanted to tan the hide. Oh. So. My. That's quite the task. I know. So he he was all. My parents kick ass. They were all for it. So he buys us this kit. Mm -hmm. Because there's all these solutions Mm -hmm. that you have to use. Curing or whatever. And he cut the uh, skin off. But we had to then, in my mind, it was just going to peel off, you know? 
Uh, oh, nay, nay. Uh, 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 uh. So then we had we had this. I don't know why we were using a machete, but we had this. <laughs> we had no tools for this. We had a massive machete. That's hilarious. Which is so weird when I say that out loud. <laughs> and there's a picture of me somewhere. And I'm like, oh, I need with to this see the photo. We'll have to find it. So then we had to scrape it, you know, so yep. we're like holding the machete on either side. We have the skin strapped around probably a six inch board, okay. six, six inch wide by, I don't know, six feet long. Yeah. And so we would like scrape it down yep. all the fat and yep. tissue yep. off. And then we would have to like rotate it over. And it was gross to do. I can't believe you like actually did it. Well, I know. That's, that's well, awesome so it has a tragic it. end. So oh, we no. then get this huge garbage can okay and fill the garbage can with the solution uh-huh. and we put the hide in there and we sealed up uh-huh. and i can't remember how long it was supposed to cure for but we leave it in there and then for however long it's supposed to be in there and we take it out and we stretch it over you're supposed to like stretch it to dry right. and this thing, we're imagining, my sister and I are imagining, like, the softest, silkiest deer hide rug you can imagine. Uh-huh. This thing was stiff as a board. Yeah. Like, rock hard. Yeah. And what we didn't know is there's an additional step you have to do, which is working the leather. Yeah. And I know that now. Yeah. But we ended up throwing it away. Oh, no. Because we thought we ruined, we thought we left it in right. too long and ruined it. We just no, didn't understand there was a whole other yeah. oh. step. So all oh. that work, I mean, we worked. <laughs> it took us forever, and we're kids. That's you know, that's sad. That's I a know. sad story. It is a sad story. But I'm imagining in this day and age, I mean, yeah. what are they God. even using well, to do this stuff with? Oh yeah, to cure the. No, I think about that all the time. Because or did they just dry them and then work the? Maybe it's harder to work the leather after without curing them. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they like. Yeah, I don't know. They probably had some technique that some indigenous people showed them. But I always think about that too because they always have like the fur on it or whatever. Like you always like. They look so soft. (laughs) Yeah, and it looks like you know the coonskin hats and yeah, yeah. Like how the heck are they doing that? I don't know. I don't know. Mm, I don't but know. It's a lot of work, so I admire these guys. Yeah. As this new wave of explorer, not explorers, expedition trappers. There we go. Trappers. As this new wave of trappers is heading up north to meet kind of the other party, after yeah. being attacked by these Arikara warriors, during the attack, Hugh Glass was shot in the leg. Oh. So already he's got an injury. The wound heals up nicely, apparently, because he continues on. And eventually they made their way to Fort Kiowa, which was specifically just a trapping post. So it wasn't glamorous. It didn't have a lot of amenities or anything like that. But, you know, they had some basic supplies and a medic, that sort of thing. Um, At Fort Kiowa... That's where he like was able to heal his leg and kind of wait for it to feel well enough to move on because they're going to be gone for weeks and weeks. Mm. And so you have to be really healthy. You have to be fit. You have to be able to withstand whatever's going to be thrown at you. This is in the summertime. So um, and up up that high along the Missouri, they're kind of getting over towards South Dakota. Okay. I looked up. I mean, this is 
200 years later, but I looked up temperatures in the summer. It's like 80-ish degrees. So we're not talking sweltering heat, but you're also fur trapping. So you're carrying a lot of stuff and you're going into the... Right. So you got to be able... You got to be strong. Yeah. So after he heals up, they start to make their way into South Dakota along the Missouri River. The plan for the expedition was to continue traveling northwest. The river up at that point branches off and so they're kind of curving around these edges up into where it's very rich animal territory the party had great success hunting along the way hugh was a major asset because of his time with the pawnee so he was able to track better than most men he was able he he was an extremely sharp shooter Mm. and again the navigation It would be during this expedition that Hugh Glass would overcome unimaginable odds and an incredible betrayal. Oh, no. So we're going to pause his story for a moment. Okay. And we're going to talk about one of the great American beasts, the grizzly bear. Oh, the grizzly bear. What do you know about grizzly bears? Um, They're giant, and if you encounter one just hope you die soon that's what i know about grizzly bears that's literally almost all i knew about grizzly bears other than in one of the madagascar movies (laughs) no there's a very talented one that can ride a tricycle and wear a tutu that is so funny grizzly bears are yeah they're like yeah, the, you said the great American beast. Yeah, absolutely. They're, yeah, terrifying. They are very, they're really terrifying. So I saw, this was months ago, I saw this video of a black bear running. There was like these hunting cameras up and mm-hmm. that's why this footage is out there. This black bear is running full speed through the forest. So imagine, I mean, I, can, I can't I can run barely. full speed on the concrete, which is flat surface, <laughs> right. let alone yeah. barefoot in a forest. Right. But, you know. Barefoot. Ba- barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, okay. So it's running full speed, and it scales this tree in a matter of seconds. Mm. And at mm. first, you're like, what the heck? Then comes tearing through a massive grizzly bear. And I did not know grizzly bears eat black bears. I also didn't fully know know how carnivorous they are. I mean, I know they're omnivores because they eat fish and... Berries. And berries. I thought that's what they ate. But they're very carnivorous. Or, you know, they're omnivores. I didn't know that. Black bears. Isn't that sad? And the only reason in this video the black bear does survive is because it can get higher up in the tree. Oh my god! And the grizzly couldn't follow it because the way the branches were and yeah. See, like, so if you encounter a grizzly bear, like, just hope you die or like it oh. leaves you alone. But like, yeah, death is not. the is your best circumstance <laughs> with encountering a, a grizzly bear. Yeah, they Yikes. are gnarly. Oh, I went to this. <laughs> okay, the only time I've seen one in real life, You've I went seen to, a grizzly bear. Well. Don't oh. get don't get thrilled up on the <laughs> <laughs> on the Olympic Peninsula. Uh-huh. Have you been to that wildlife refuge ever? Um, 
Oh, uh, yeah. No, I have it. Northwest Trek? Is that what you're talking about? No, that one's really cool. This There's one, a different one. I it, think I know what you're talking this about. This one but was no. kind of like... Oh, the Tiger King? Is that what he's called? Yeah, okay. It's just some guy. The Pacific Northwest. <laughs> no, I don't know. This it, is it not was, good. It was... You're like, I oh. was expecting it to be Northwest Trek-like. Right. So for those of you that don't know, Northwest Trek is this huge wildlife reserve in Washington State. And they have elk and caribou. Ooh. They have... Have you ever been there? I've never been there. Oh my gosh, it's so cool. I need to go. It's really cool. They have some eagles. They have a golden eagle. Oh, golden That has like cool. one leg. Oh. So it's, it's oh. like animals that wouldn't survive. Yeah, like a rescue okay. for the birds. And then... Um, they have beautiful wolf enclosures. Oh. There was wolf pups there the wow. last time I was there, and That's they are pretty cool. I beautiful. didn't know that. Yeah, it's really well done, and it's there to care for the animals. Right. I was expecting the same experience with this with this animal refuge, and instead it was this weird loop that you drive your car through mm. and then you there's a grizzly bear in there and you can throw bread to it <laughs> and it was sad it was just kind of laying there That's and really sad. it wouldn't really move but it would like snatch the bread out of the air with its paw and gobble it up <laughs> and it was i'm laughing I don't, i'm laughing because it makes me uncomfortable to think about it. it's an awful image in my mind it's really sad and it was really sad but it was massive was it just like a probably because of all the carbs, but also <laughs> it was just big. Yeah, yeah. it was big. Oh well, yeah, because there, um, I have been next to a like what taxidermied grizzly bear, I suppose. Yeah, ooh, they're giant, like double my size, yeah. height wise. Yeah, that also oh. reminds me, totally unrelated, but one time I was walking around here. <laughs> I'll never forget it. It was summertime. People got their windows open, you know. And I came across walking and I looked over and in the window of this house there was a taxidermied polar bear. A polar bear? A polar bear. That makes me sad. Like That's... why? How? What? I'm so confused. I guess they're it could have just too, been aren't a... they? they're they're very. known to be really vicious, yes. right? And are they bigger than grizzlies, do you know? Even bigger than grizzlies. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. After researching okay. for this podcast, grizzly bears, this is what I've learned. And it <laughs> makes me never want to go outside of my house mm-hmm. ever again. Yep. Thankfully, they're usually a little deeper forest, yeah. but it's... Oh my gosh. And, well, yeah, if you're, what I do know about any bear is that if you're in like a pretty well populated, well traveled area and you're encountering bears, like there's probably something either wrong with that bear. Yeah. Or it's been being fed by humans, which is a dangerous situation to yeah. be in with a bear. But I think if you're like deep in the forest and they never see people, it's like, a better situation than being that's probably true yeah. i know what you mean like the raccoons yeah. that yeah 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 eat all the neighbor ladies cat Ugh, food yeah and my cat food let's be honest <laughs> i try me. not to I'm feed my cats late. <laughs> i try not to feed them late because of that um so the word that i mean you know what the word grizzly means like gnarly right. kind of you know yeah but um I looked it up too, and it means horrible, dreadful, and fear-inspiring. Mm-hmm. And that's G-R-I-S-L-Y, mm-hmm. word grizzly. But 
the word kind of got changed to G-R-I-Z-Z-L-Y mm. in reference to the bear. And that was actually coined by Lewis and Clark when they <laughs> came upon a, a uh, what are they? There's another word for them, but I didn't write it down. But there's another term for, you know, like the more scientific name for a grizzly bear. Mm -hmm. But um, they coined them grizzly bears because they are fear-inspiring and terrifying. Grizzly bears can, the females can weigh between 290 to 400 pounds, which is actually kind of less than I thought. Yeah. The males being anywhere up to 790 pounds. So that's a big bear. Yeah. And they their claws measure between two to four inches so Mm. i mean that's four inches like think of a six inch sub and take two bites (laughs) two bites (laughs) and imagine claws that long that's pretty freaky when you put it like that (laughs) so the other thing i was curious about is their their jaw power Mm -hmm. there's you know different breeds of dogs that are known to have like oh the strongest bites Mm -hmm. And so I want. I was curious in comparison to something like a Rottweiler. You know, yeah. we have a Rottweiler. Yeah. And he has one of the stronger bites in the canine kingdom. In researching this, I realized he's not even up in the top 10 for hmm. canines. Rottweilers are probably like 18th. Oh, interesting. Because they yeah. always kind of come off as like one of those breeds that's like so yeah. terrifying. But yeah. Like... And he does. I mean, they do have strong jaws. Yeah. So how they, how they judge... The strength of a bite. They use a method called, it's called PSI, and it's mm-hmm. pound force per square inch. Mm-hmm. So my Rottweiler, for instance, has a bite force of 328 PSI. So that's pound force per square inch. Wow. That's going to snap your arm off, Ugh, you know, yeah. like if he chomped. Yeah. If he felt like it. <laughs> yeah. Grizzly bears rank number nine. For the most powerful bites in the animal kingdom, number I know nine. That number nine beat like wow. some of the ones above it are hippopotamus. I was gonna say all I could think alligators, of alligators, or I not I th- I don't even think alligators. I think it was crocodiles. Wow. Um, sh- great white sharks. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Are above the That's but like, number okay. nine. Wow. And they have a bite force of nine hundred seventy-five psi. In like, their jaws. Th- like three times your pup? That's like three times. Hmm. Wow. One of the most powerful dogs. Wow. So I just imagine, you know, like when you see yeah. those videos of like a grizzly bear growling and their lips are like, spits jiggling out. I'm like, that's just a nightmare. Grizzly bears have been known to eat large, very large animals such as bison or oh. buffalo. Or buffalo, <laughs> depending on a... Elk, moose, and a like moose. I said earlier... Have you ever I... seen a moose? I... Oh, well, I guess you saw the grizzly bear, but... I thought I had, but I'd only seen an elk. Have you ever seen one? Yes, in Colorado. It, they are ginormous. <sighs> they're kind of terrifying one. a little bit. Um, like a... Because of their size. Because they're so big. They are so big. And elk, I think, are really cool and also pretty big. But when I saw that moose... My God, it just took my breath away. I know, because it's, they're so, so mad. grizzly bears eat moose? They eat moose. I didn't know that. Wow. I know. Oof. Oof. And then, you know, other bears, which is 
Makes <laughs> yeah, that's so they eat other bears. bears. Let's just call that <laughs> and other bears. My God. Okay. Oh man. Wow. Even the native tribes in this area would rarely hunt grizzly bears, mm. and they reserved. They only would go after a grizzly bear if it was a situation where the grizzly bear was wreaking havoc and being a menace to their tribe for you know whatever reason. Right. And if they did, they would take no less than ten of their most skilled warriors. And they would do a ritual in ahead of time, the same ritual that they would do if they were planning, if they were preparing to go to war. Wow. That's the type of action they would take against this this type of bear. Because you don't mess with the bear, yeah. It's like the bear's the king of the jungle, man. I know. So grizzly bears, terrifying terrifying animals but animals we all know are the most aggressive when they're with their young little babies oh yeah little babies you know like yeah. a mama bear yeah that's why that's why you know everyone has those cute shirts yeah. oh mama, mama bear. bear i'm like <laughs> i hate to this makes me her. never want to wear a shirt that says mama bear because this is gnarly like yeah. i don't want to yeah. Ugh. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I would wear one. But because <laughs> no, I will I'd shred you. I'll cut you. I will hue glass your ass. <laughs> <laughs> New slogan right there. Oh my gosh. Merch. Merch, baby. <laughs> this mama bear will hue glass your ass. That is so good. That's <laughs> that so really funny. funny. Oh my gosh. Okay, so trigger warning. <laughs> This is gruesome. <laughs> okay. Okay. As the Ashley party moved farther west, out past the forks of the Missouri River, Hugh was scouting for game. So they would kind of send him out because he had the best tracking abilities. And at this point, they were over 200 miles away from Fort Kiowa. Mm-hmm. And that was the little trapping, mm-hmm. lo- you know, area or um, settlement, I mm-hmm. guess, where they could kind of stage, regroup. You know, there was minimal accommodations 200 miles out from that. As he was sneaking around looking for a game, he spots a mother grizzly bear and accidentally startles her. Oh, no. And she has two cubs with her. No. He, she immediately charges him oh. and grabs him by his neck <gasps> in her jaws and slams him down into the ground. Oh, my God. And he's trying to, like, get his gun in a position to shoot her. And she is slicing him Uh. left and right. She tore into him, slicing his shoulder wide open to where you could... The muscle underneath was revealed. She smacked him and flipped him over. So he's face down. His neck's sliced already. And he's face down on the forest floor... She bites a chunk off of his back and rips this piece of meat off and tosses it to her cubs, supposedly. I mean, she's probably just shredding him, you know. Um, But rips a chunk of meat off of his back to where his rib bones were showing. And it's gone. This flesh is gone. It's not like a cut where you can stitch it back. She ripped the flesh clean off and meat. The flesh of his neck, chest, and arms were lacerated to the point of flapping away from the muscle oh. underneath. God. 
So completely separated from the muscle and just... Oh my gosh. I know. It's so... It's so cringy. His hands were mutilated as he, you know, is reaching up for defensive... Oh my gosh. Defensive wounds as she mauled him. And he tried to fight her off and finally was able to get his gun into position all the while the rest of the party is trying to shoot this animal wow and nothing is stopping her wow and eventually glass finally kills it with his hunting rifle with the help of his you know comrades wow but his wounds were so egregious that he lay on the forest floor completely still so he kills it and he just probably passes out i mean his body's in shock yeah and his wounds are just un unimaginable i've never broken a bone i can't imagine having a bone exposed i sliced my thumb to the bone once (laughs) and thought i i thought i was i'm proud to have lived to tell the tale (laughs) and that was my thumb i can't imagine this his companions tried to do some field medicine, you know, wrapping you even, things up. I was going to say, what do you even I do? I don't, oh, I just keep thinking about the ribs in yeah. the back and just, there's not even flesh to put over yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Like, what do you put on that? You know, I can't even think of any kind of leaf, like a leaf, maybe <laughs> the, the skins, I guess. You got just a skin. A Here's a skin for you, bud. Oh, one of the furs. Oh, <laughs> We got a skin for you, a uh, new one. Second skin. <laughs> They're trying to stop the bleeding. They're doing their best to patch this poor man up. But even with everything that they're doing, his loss of blood and the shock his body, you know, has to be in is... They're like, yeah, he didn't just die immediately. That's like crazy. I know. I know. So even in his unconscious state, though, Hugh Glass just has this will to survive. This man does not want to die. Everything in him. I mean, he's I feel like he's faced death several times at this point and he refuses to die. And so he hung on to life just barely, but somehow he's still alive. His companions, however, realize they're going to have to try to carry him back on a makeshift stretcher. 200 miles. 200 miles. And there's not a lot they can do for him. You wow. know, he's he's dying. And, yeah. I, and I understand where they're coming from, too. I mean, what do you do in that situation? You, do you, yeah, yeah. you know? And so Ashley... I think Ashley, the he's the leader of the expedition. His head honcho guy, I think his name was Henry. Um, Henry asks for two volunteers to stay behind with Hugh mm. and wait for him to die and bury him and oh give him a gosh. proper burial. Oh, my gosh. And the rest of them are going to continue on. And then those guys were going to meet up with him, I think, back at the fort. Okay. So, and probably at first I'm like, why wouldn't you just all wait? But supplies are limited. Right. You know, they're only bringing so much yeah. to eat, so many resources. So I'm assuming that all plays into that. Yeah. So they, um, two guys volunteer. And one of the guys that volunteered was John S. Fitzgerald. 
and a man known only as Bridges. <laughs> uh, they, there's like no, he's another John, you know, yeah. like John from earlier. Yeah. Nobody knows this guy. So John and Bridges. <laughs> John and Bridges. Um, Bridges was very young and he had, this was like his first time out doing some sort of outing. Poor Bridges. And I know. I'm like, why would they leave? Why would? Come on, I don't know. That's well, just yeah, for volunteers, right? Yeah, true. Huh. So Bridges and Fitzgerald began digging Hugh's grave because it's inevitable. Yeah. I mean, they know he's going to die. And they're kind of like, they're digging the grave, kind of waiting for the party to head off. And they end up basically kind of, they stop digging the grave when the party's out of sight. And they wait around for a while. And then they just take all of Hugh's tools, weaponry, supplies, and they go and meet up with the party. And what they tell the party is they claim to the party that they were attacked by the Arikara and fought them off, but they weren't able to finish burying Hugh. And that's why they came back so soon. But but that he had died. Like he died. Why would they do that? They could have like at least killed him. That's a mercy killing. That's yeah. what, I mean, I don't think, I don't know what to do in this situation because I'm not a big fan of mercy killings. I mean, killings in general. Not a huge fan <laughs> I'm of not murder. Not a huge fan of murder. But, you know, I'm not a big fan. But I mean, if this guy's like bleeding out, I know. Man. Like, just to leave him there. Yeah. Because, up. guess who's not dead? Hugh, Hugh Glass. Glass. <laughs> He's still alive. And he wakes up from his shocked state. He comes to and he looks around, surveys. I mean, first of all, I'm just imagining like he has over 15 wounds. Okay. You're laying there. Imagine this. You're laying there. Mm -hmm. You've been sliced by a bear several times. (laughs) You're in the 80 plus degree South Dakota summer. Mm. How are you feeling? I didn't even think about the heat. You f- I forgot about the heat. Yeah. Not good. Not, not good? good? You're not having a good time? Not having a good time. Okay. Mm-mm. Well, there's flies buzzing around you, so you've got company at least. No. You no. know. Oh, no. I'm Maybe sipping. a curious animal sniffing, sniffing your neck wound. I don't know. You know? Oh. Oh, you open your gosh. eyes. Your eyelids probably split and flappy. Oh, God. <laughs> and you look up. Through the summer sky mm. and high above the canopy. Oh no. Vultures? Vultures. No. Oh. Circling you. No. No. You finally start to sit up, but it's hard because your damp <laughs> shirt is sticky with coagulating blood oh. from your meat chunk that's missing from your back. Oh. Mm. Your leg's broken. Mm. You can't even stand. And you have zero supplies, nothing, no tools, yes, no food, zero supplies, and nobody there to help you. And sitting next to a partially dug grave that was meant for you. Imagine it. And the only thing, this is, okay, this is just mean. The only thing they left him with was a bear hide that they used to cover him. They used it as a shroud because they just assumed, well, he's dead. That's messed up. <laughs> so 
so messed up. Like, you get attacked by a bear, and they're gonna your burial shroud is a bear skin. Like, my God, it's some weird form of inappropriate justice. Yeah. I mean, well, he was a big man, though, right? I mean, can't be as big as a bear, but maybe that's why. Yeah, maybe the, the bear. deer skins weren't big enough for him or something. I know. It's just so... Maybe it's, there's a slight <sighs> reasonableness to it, maybe, but... I'm sure there was, and I'm sure there was no... It's just... But what a cruel, it's, cruel... It's, it's just exactly, cruel. Exactly. It's, it's very cruel. Oh, man. It's just terrible. So he sets... His bone himself. His little leg his, bone? He sets his bone himself, sn- shoves it back into place. Oh, God. And even in his unconscious state, yet again, as he awakes, his will to survive is so strong. He will not give up. He crawls because he can't walk on his broken leg. He crawls to the river makes himself a raft out of whatever he can find and floats down the river for miles and miles until he reaches the fort. How? I don't know. It's just wild. This is after jumping into the sea as a pirate, (laughs) swimming two miles to shore, facing what he thought, I mean, they weren't cannibals, but what he thought might be cannibals, fighting through the forest, traveling 600 miles north, being captured, watching John be murdered, Mm. living with the Pawnee for years, learning those skills, goes on this expedition, gets shot in the leg, recovers from that, still goes up, mauled by a bear, left for dead and robbed, and then is still alive. He, this is actually, it sounds really disgusting, but... They use this medically now where you can put maggots into a wound and it will eat the dead flesh away Uh and the diseased flesh and leave only the clean flesh. Now, there's only certain maggots that will do that, but Mm. this must have been successful because he didn't die of gangrene. You know, he put maggots. He put maggots in his own wounds. All of them? I don't know. All of them. I'm so horrified by this. I know. I know. So, okay. One time I was going to one of my scenic spots that I have. It's like, you know, right off the road. You park your car. You walk five minutes. Here's your scenic spot. And it's one that not very many people go to. It's not like a real path. It's kind of a somebody made a little path, you know. Beautiful spot. Beautiful spot. I noticed the vultures overhead. And I approach and uh, there's a dead deer carcass. And the maggots. The bloat, the stench. Oh. It was a hot summer oh, day. I hate the word bloat. It was Ugh. sickening. So I have a good visual to put to this Ugh. man. Oh, I'm sickened. I can't imagine. Can you imagine being maggot ridden, floating on your <laughs> self made raft? If I had maggots down a river anywhere near me, that's so. I would like that to be the end for me. Oh my I gosh, you maggots! That's disgusting. All right, so traveling down. Crawling to the river, traveling down it, took six weeks, and he survived all of that. Once there, he spent ample time recovering from his wounds, all while planning. He wanted revenge 
on these two men. Okay. You know, and he finally found Bridges, the younger of the two. Mm-hmm. His plan was to kill both of these men. He had murder in oh, his heart. Yeah. He was, it, I can only imagine. I mean, he had six weeks and all that recovery time just to stew on what they'd done to him and yeah. the pain of the recovery yeah. and the condition your body would be in. I mean, yeah, they You've left him that way to plan. Yeah. But when he saw Bridges, he just felt like he had made a mistake. And this young guy, he wanted him to have an opportunity to live a full life, make Mm -hmm. right his wrongs and live a life accordingly. So he left him alone. And however, he was 100% planning on killing Fitzgerald. He, as soon as he found him, He's like, I, he's done. I kept killing this man. So he finds Fitzgerald and he's planning. He's like, yes, finally. I didn't get to kill the other guy. I'm killing him. <laughs> Unfortunately for Hugh, Fitzgerald had joined the army. Oh. And it was a federal crime, if you will, to Ooh. kill a soldier. Oh. And it's punishable by death. Oh. So. Wait, what? Is that like a real thing, like today? Like if you kill a soldier? I don't think it is now, but back okay, then. Okay, well, it was. I mean, I guess like if you yeah. kill anybody, it's a crime. So, but, but not all crime, but in not every state has the death penalty right. now. Yeah, but okay. back well, then, well, that's an interesting. I know. Huh. Eye for an eye. Talk about an eye for an eye. Ooh. Well, if we're gonna talk about an eye for an eye, <laughs> well, I guess Fitzgerald oh. didn't maul him. Yeah, true. It wasn't. It wasn't his fault, but leaving him there was. You know. Yeah. Um, so after surviving so much, Hugh's not willing to risk his life to get his revenge. Mm. I mean, he doesn't want to waste it. You know, he's yeah. worked hard to be where he's at. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he warned Fitzgerald, though, to never leave the army because he said, if you do, you were a dead man. <laughs> That's terrifying. Can-, Can you imagine? So imagine Fitzgerald. Okay, <laughs> no. let's play it out from his scene. He's like, ah, oh, I got left here with this guy. Wait, you want to steal his stuff and go? I don't want to dig a grave, do you? All right, let's go. They go meet up with their buds. They go back home to Missouri or whatever. They join. He joins the army. It's years later, probably. And then he's you see like, him. put this out of his mind. You, you know? see him coming. I would be scared if I was Fitzgerald. Like, and you know, I, like, wouldn't you be yeah. scared forever? You know what? I would be right. scared forever. Maybe that was the revenge. You know Fitzgerald was scared forever. Forever. The rest of his life, he's looking over his shoulder. He's looking over his shoulder. After that, this is where our story kind of ends. Only Mm. a few years later, Hugh ends up going back to trapping. Mm. Dang, can you imagine? I know, but I think you're right, though, because I was thinking about that, too. I'm like, why do you just keep doing... Like, why trapping after what you just went through? But like you said earlier, he's a known criminal right likely yeah and this is now a trade he can successfully do and he's good at it you know yeah but unfortunately with the company that he was with i think almost their entire company was killed by another run-in with the say it aricara <laughs> thank you that was good with the aricara and hugh glass died in 1833 oh. so not i mean this First expedition was in 1823, so only 10 years later. Wow. But still, he got an extra 10 years. Bonus years. Yeah. Yeah. He could have died at any point along the way. I know. But I keep thinking, too, like, he wasn't in his prime. Yeah. 
even yeah. when he was facing the bears. So yeah. to survive all of that, wow. you know, he was probably mid to late 40s. I'm almost 40. I'm not right. saying that's old. I just know I'm not in the best shape of my life, yeah. let alone no. to survive all that. And right. then to live another 10 years, you know? Yeah. No, that's amazing. I can't even imagine. How did he die? He was killed. He was By killed. the... Arikara. There you go. Wow. I know. Somebody wanted this man dead, you know? I know. <laughs> like, he, he was... Why? Why did all these horrible things happen know, to him? I know, but it's so terrible. Mm. Ooh. Wow. I still think... I don't know what's worse. Facing human opponent mm. like the Arikara yeah. that would be terrifying yeah. any sort of human opponent yeah is so scary but the bear mauling is just so brutal and so gnarly and oof you gotta feel one with nature after that i'd think <laughs> oh. that's so sad oh that's rough man i know wow. so there's there's a couple movies that have been made about this okay. story. The most recent one, and I haven't watched it yet, because I didn't want it. I didn't want my research to be yeah. influenced right. by cinema. But it's called The Revenant. Is that with the uh, Leo DiCaprio? The love of my life. Oh, Leonardo, Leonardo. DiCaprio. <laughs> Leo. I looked up the word what the definition of revenant was because I had never. I mean. I've, feel like i've heard the word before but i didn't have a good understanding and this sums hugh glass up entirely and it means one that returns after death hmm. wow like, time and time again yeah you know? what a great story <sighs> amazing hugh hugh you. if you're up there we're sorry for you and that <laughs> is the epic tale of of hugh glass hugh glass Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. <laughs> Be safe out there. Be safe out there. Do we have a tagline? We don't really. We need one. Hugh Glass, your ass. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Resolute. Follow and subscribe on Spotify, Patreon, and Apple Podcasts. See you next week.